We will now turn to Matthew 13, and we'll read uh, verses 1 through 23. And once you have it, let us stand in honor of God's word. And I'll be reading from the New King James. It's probably a little different if you have the ESV, but... Now let's give our attention to God's word. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no roots, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred fold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. He will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will Hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to his holy word. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the preached word. And Lord, we thank you that it's through the foolishness of preaching that men and women become saved. And so, Lord, as we are here this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would magnify your word and glorify your word. Lord, that you would give me wisdom and utterance and freedom 
to deliver the word to your people, and may your people receive this word on good ground. May they receive it so that the word does not return back void, and Lord, that this word might be uh, uh, powerfully impressed upon them today. So bless us now, in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of stuff up here. Get some, some of this stuff. Okay. I heard um, an interesting uh, anecdote the other day, or last night, rather, I was reading, looking at this message. It's about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, one of our presidents, he used to entertain people and he used to have, just have little conversations with people and there would be a line of people that would, uh, he would talk to and he noticed that they weren't listening to him, that whatever he says, they were just nodding their heads, but he could obviously tell that they were not hearing what he was saying. And so one day he thought he would try an experiment. He told them that his, uh, he murdered his mother and the answer that he got was, that's great to hear. <laughs> that's wonderful. God bless you. <laughs> well, he said, finally, the, uh, the last person was a representative from Bolivia. And she caught it. And she leaned in and said, well, I guess he had it coming. So, <laughs> Well, that is a humorous um, incident. But it really illustrates a point of... How well do we listen? I know this in our, you know, in, in our world today, we are very scattered in our listening. We have cell phones, someone's trying to talk to us, and we have uh, maybe AirPods on or headphones, or we're looking, st strolling through our, uh, scrolling, scrolling, yeah, scrolling through our, uh, <laughs> scrolling through our phones and so on. We're saying, uh-huh, I'm listening, I'm listening, and so on. But well, that's not really good listening. That's not active listening. The Bible today, Jesus tells us today the importance of listening. Here in Matthew 13, uh, at this point in Jesus' ministry, it says in verse 2, great multitudes were gathered together to hear him. In other words, at this point, Jesus' ministry was, was at an all-time high. There were so many people around him. They were fascinated by him. They're fascinated by the healings, fascinated by all that was taking place in Jesus' ministry. And, and yet, Jesus speaks to them today. He, this is the um, third great discourse. Uh, we have the a Sermon on the Mount. We have in uh, Matthew 10, he speaks of uh, when he sends out his disciples to preach the gospel. And here he talks about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? And here in Matthew 13, he talks in parables, very interesting in parables. If you have your outline there, uh, you know, the purpose of parables. What is a parable? A parable is a story, could be true, could not be true, but basically illustrates some uh, spiritual point, something that uh, Jesus is trying to get across or, or whoever is saying the parable is trying to get across. And so he speaks here in parables. What's the purpose of parables? Why would he speak in parables? Well, two, one is because, first of all, to conceal. To conceal what? To conceal the truth. In other words, 
Jesus spoke in parables. Why? Because he was concealing the truth. Well, why would he want to conceal the truth? Well, he says there because the way that people listen, they despise the word of God. They didn't hear the word of God. They um, rejected the word of God. And because they rejected the word of God, Jesus rejected them by uh, concealing to them uh, what the real meaning of the scriptures and what, what the real meaning was. And that's why he says there in verse 14 that they hear, but they don't understand. They see, but they do not perceive. Why? Because the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their eyes are hard of hearing, their ears are closed. In other words, they hear the word of God, but they don't receive the word of God. They're not interested in hearing the word or receiving it. And so therefore, the word is taken away from them. And so, and but then the other one is that he reveals. So he conceals, but he also reveals to his people because he told the multitude about this parable. But then he spoke to his disciples about what the true meaning of this parable was. So the parable is another reason for is to reveal what the true meaning of the scriptures are so that they understand it. So the parable, he uses um, different illustrations and examples of what the a parable is and that because he wanted them to get it. So he uses things like farming and gardening and reaping and sowing and merchant and business and treasures and so on, all these earthly things so that they could relate to it and they could understand. Well, these parables really, is he uh, illustrates them by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a uh, seed in the sower, which we're going to talk about in a minute. The kingdom of heaven is like uh, 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 wheat and tares and so on. And so, the one main thing that Jesus wants us to get out of all these parables is this, is that in the kingdom of God, in the church, that there is a mixed group of people. Not talking necessarily racially or, or about ages and so on, but the theologians call it visible church and invisible. In, in, in in other words, there will always be unbelievers in the church. That's, that's what he means there. And so when we talk about the church visible, this is the church visible, brick and mortar. You all here this morning, Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We got officers. We're going to take the sacraments in a few minutes, and you are here. We can see you. And in other churches, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, uh, Pentecostal churches, all of these churches have, uh, are visible. And within these churches... And a lot of these parables is that there are unbelievers right alongside the believers. And yet in the parable of the wheat and the tares, uh, Jesus tells them not to try to uproot the uh, wheat with the tares. Why? Because you cannot know absolutely. And so that's why we talk about a credible profession of faith. In other words, it is credible. It's based on the word of God. It's, it, it's based on a good testimony. But... Even the church officers cannot know infallibly whether a person is a believer or not. And so that's what Jesus is getting at here. And so as we look at this parable of the sower, uh, we see, first of all, he talks, about, um, he talks about the seed. The seed is the word of God. Secondly, he talks about the sower. The sower is Christ himself or his ministers or his preachers. Or it even could be primarily some preaching, but it could be a parent. It could be a Bible study teacher, a Sunday school teacher, 
and so on. And then he talks about the field. And I just want to focus on that. The field is our hearts, our soil. Uh, these, these are the things are our hearts. So um, that's uh, just a little bit of illustration, an example, and a little interpretation of what the different soils are. So the first one we look at is obviously the bad soil. In verses uh, 23 uh, and 24-25, uh, he talks about the bad soil. He talks about three different uh, types of soil. And again, we're talking um, uh, the soil is the heart. And only one soil produces the good ground. Well, let's look at the bad soil for just a, a second here. First of all, um, I know there's some gardeners here. I know there's people here who are farmers and planters. I remember... As a kid, my dad used to drag me out every March and April because that was, hard. That was our sowing time. That was time to, to plant seeds and do all those things. I'd rather young people have been playing with my friends, but no, I was out there in the garden helping my father uh, with his garden. And I do know a little bit about gardening. I'm sure many of you probably know a lot more than I do, but Jesus talks about it. And he first of all, he talks about the bad soil. He talks about the seed by the wayside. Now, those of you who are gardeners know that you can't just throw seed on the ground and expect it to grow. That's probably not going to happen. Why? Because the birds of the air, as Jesus talks about, will, will, uh, will pick it up and eat it, or someone could step on it, or even worse, uh, so a rodent or, or someone else could eat it. So in other words, that is fruitless, and if people saw you doing that, they would wonder, you don't know anything really about gardening because you have no chance for that seed to be produce a fruit or vegetable. And so Jesus says, though, but that is the heart of the unregenerate, is that the word goes out, but their hearts are hard and they don't hear the word. They don't have any interest in hearing the word. They don't have any desire to hear the word. They're not hungry for the word. And the devil comes and steals the word of God. In other words, they despise God's word. We talked about that a little bit and why Jesus uh, withholds uh, the truth of the word. But this is what happens is that it's easy for the devil to come by and to take the word of God right out of their hearts. Why? Because they have no interest in it. They have no desire for it. They have no appetite for the word of God. You put food... Uh, to someone who's already eaten and full, they're probably not going to eat it. And that's the same thing. They have no hunger, no appetite for the word of God. So the word is good. The preaching might be good, but it's not, it's reached a heart that has not been broken up. The ground has to be broken up if you're going to plant seed. The ground has to be uh, turned upside down. You have to get beyond the, the hard ground in order to plant the seed in there. And that seed has not, uh, has found a heart that is hard. And so that's why he says that the first seed is a seed that um, is a stony place that it has no uh, root, it has no foundation. The seed just gets lost and it's easy for the devil to come and to steal the word right out of our hearts. Well, the second one he talks about is the uh, stony ground. The stony ground is that which it says there in uh, verse 20, that he who receives the word immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Again, we're talking about 
the kingdom of God and the church. I know, you know, as a chaplain dealing with all types of people, they've all had different types of religious experiences. And one of the things that they will say is when I ask them about their faith, oh, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not anymore. And so Jesus is saying that in the kingdom of God, oftentimes there are people who for a moment are interested in the word of God. Maybe they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Maybe they were having a difficult time and a hard time. And there's been no one really there to help them or to no one else has helped them. So the preacher tells them to try Jesus. They said, well, I'll give Jesus a try. Maybe he can save my marriage. Maybe he can uh, heal me of my sickness. Or maybe he can do something great for me. Or maybe it's just that spare the moment where you feel good. There's a lot of love, a lot of attention. The Holy Spirit convicts even the unbelievers at times. And so they hear the word of God and they make a profession of faith. But Jesus says what happens to them is that just like when uh, in, the, in our garden, when we used to plant seeds and a few days later, maybe a week later, you see these little plants with all these little uh, vines would all come up. You say, oh, wow, look at that. It's going to be great. We're going to get a lot of fruit from that. Well, Jesus says there's a test. And the test is the atmosphere, the elements. You know, on the East Coast, we used to have frost days where it was still cold in March or April in the morning. And sometimes the frost would destroy uh, the plants that didn't have the right depth or the right root. And you would look and see, and most times it's my fault, I would plant it and it was planted on a rock or a stone. It wasn't planted deep enough. It was planted just enough for it to spring up, but yet when the scorching sun comes, as Jesus says here, or some other elements, immediately it withers and dies. And that's what he's saying, that there are a lot of people who just, just like that plant, plant it just a little bit, but not true faith, not uh, true believers, not plant it deep enough. Immediately they come and they receive it. That's what he says in verse 20. Immediately they receive it with joy. Everyone's excited. They join the church. They're happy. They're going to Bible study. They're going to church. They're reading their Bible. They're witnessing to their friends. They're praying, doing all these things. But then at some point, he says in verse 21, a test comes. The test is this. Yet he says he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Why? Because tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and immediately they stumble. So there they were. They were excited about following Jesus. They were excited about being in the church. They were excited about believing. But when a tribulation or persecution or affliction comes, then suddenly they're offended and they fall off for whatever reason. They don't believe. It's interesting that Jesus, I believe, says in John chapter 8, when uh, it says that many believed on him, Jesus' response was this. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In other words, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And if you listen to Jesus talk about uh, what it means to be a Christian, it's vastly different than what we hear today. Today is come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. Come to Jesus and it will, you'll have an easier time. He will wipe away all your tears and so on. But that's what we read in the Bible. Jesus says to count the cost. Someone says, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. He says, really? He says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man's got nowhere to lay his head. You want to be homeless? 
That's what he's saying. Are you willing to do that? That's what it means. Or the rich young ruler, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? A modern-day evangelical said, just say, say this prayer and you're good. Jesus says, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then uh, you will have uh, treasure in heaven. Uh, that's not what he wanted to hear. In other words, Jesus is telling us to count the cross. Take up your cross and follow me. And he tells us, he doesn't lie to us, that if you follow me, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be affliction. There's going to be trials. People are not going to like it. People are going to be upset and so on. And that's the big test. Sometimes Jesus will try our faith to see where are we. Are we who we say we are? And nothing like tribulation and persecution and affliction to do that. Because oftentimes the devil will join in. It says, where is God? I thought this God was supposed to be helping you. I thought he's supposed to be delivering you from stuff. I thought he was supposed to be all love. Look at you. Look at what's going on. And that's what I hear oftentimes when I talk to people. He didn't heal me. He didn't help me. All my friends abandoned me. My parents disowned me, and so on. And so this is the stony ground that Jesus is talking about. Again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And, and the third one here, he talks about the thorny ground. The thorny ground. He says, what does he say there? He says, those who hear the word and the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and become unfruitful. That's why, um, as Pastor Craig did a... Sunday school, um, a lesson on the uh, Beatitudes uh, and on the Sermon on the Mount. He, he talks about in Matthew 6 about you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God in this world. This world is a thorn. And the two demand your attention. They both want mastery. Neither one wants you to, um, to follow the other. And that's why he says you have to, you can't serve two masters. And, that's the, and this world is around us. It's attractive. It's inviting. It's always alluring us to come to it. And he says, we hear the word of God. You might have, have been blessed by it and so on. And immediately when you go out into the world, the cares of the world will choke that word right out of you. Why? Because the word has their own, the world has their own attention, their own deal, their own thing that they want you to follow. And so there are many people. And he says, talks about the deceitfulness of riches who will sacrifice the things of God for the things of this world. And Jesus says, you have to make a decision. Which way are you going to go? And he says, the word of God, you cannot receive it if you have the thorns of this world. And so these three soils are the soils of the unregenerate, are those that we see often in the church that the word of God is preached to them, and they immediately, or for whatever reason, the word doesn't stick because of these things. Well, that leads to my last point here. She talks about the good soil, or the good ground here. And what does that mean there? He talks about it in verse 22. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, oh, excuse me, that's not, in verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30. So what type of ground is this? What type of heart is this in verse 23 that we need? First of all, it's a heart that's been regenerated. You have to be born again. You have to have a new nature in you to receive 
and to hear the word of God. That's what it means that Jesus says you must be born again. There has to be something in you. This is a spiritual exercise to receive and to hear and to understand the word of God. How important is the word of God? And so in order for us to hear it, we have to have a spiritual appetite for it, a spiritual hunger for it. There has to be something born within us. This is not something natural. Like if we were looking at a play or a show or something like that, we can comprehend it. Here is, these are spiritual things. These are deep things. These are things which the Holy Spirit reveals to us. And so it's got to be found on good ground. It has to be found on a heart that has faith, that has a desire to hear and to understand the word of God. And so it's God is the one that opens these things up to us. So we must be born again. We must be saved. And, and back in, he says there, uh, a few verses in the back there, he talks about, um, in verse 11, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. It's been given to you if you are a Christian, if you've been saved and so on. And so that is one thing that is, has to be a sovereign work of God that has to happen. But secondly, it also has to be that God has to, that we have to also uh, fight to hear the word of God. That God is not only uh, uh, sovereign, but we also have responsibility to hear the word of God and to receive the word of God. If you think about uh, as we are Christians, we still have that sin nature in us. And just like we have to fight against sin in the flesh, we also have to fight to hear the word of God, because each of those three grounds, which I just talked about, the three, the rocky soil and so on, those are soils that we also have to deal with as well, even as believers. How often have we heard the word even as believers? I know for my, um, uh, for me, I'm guilty of it. I've heard a whole message and got nothing from it. Why? Because the devil loves, he's a thief of sermons and of the word. How often has someone been preaching? Obviously not uh, Pastor Craig, but, you know, <laughs> how often has someone been preaching? And suddenly the devil will come and he will say, did you watch that game yesterday? Wasn't that a great game? Wasn't that awesome? What a win that was. Wow. And what about next week when they play this team? That's going to be a tough game. And did you see the other game? And so on the whole time I was having this conversation with myself, and the preacher goes, amen, let us pray. I go, wait, what? <laughs> How often does it happen to us? Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe, you know, it's a Sunday morning. It says when the spouses often fight as your kids can't find the shoe and there's, and there's, there's dissension and there's turmoil. Or maybe there was a big argument this week. And it's lingered on and on. It's been hard for you to hear and understand. You're thinking about what's going to happen afterwards and what you're going to say to your spouse. And I'm going to bring up that point. I'll get them on that one. <laughs> or maybe you're thinking about what's going to happen later on today. You know, your meal and what you're going to eat. Or you're thinking about, I wonder what snacks they're going to have after, after service today. And they have to get there early because they always run out of coffee. And then <laughs> they have to tilt the coffee cup and it's, it's just, it just doesn't work. 
you guys know how easy it is for us to be distracted from the word of God or even the stony ground where we hear a sermon immediately. We get so excited. He preached against anger. I'm not going to get angry anymore. Honey, that's it. I'm not, no longer because Pastor Eric preached against anger. I, I was so, so convicted. And that's it. No more anger. And that lasts about four hours until, you, <laughs> until you're dealing with that again. And, of course, the cares of the world, the anxieties, worrying about the future, worrying about what's going to happen, taking thought for tomorrow, what's going to happen, how is it going to happen. Maybe you're worried about your future. Maybe you're worried about what's going on in the world. Maybe you're worried about so many different things. There's so many podcasts and radio shows that will sit there and feed into our fears and our anxiety and the cares of the world and these thorns that we have in our heart and they have to be cleared away. We have to deal with these things and that's why preaching and the word of God is so important. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. Oftentimes we think about it. I know I do. What it been like to just hang out with Jesus for a day or two and watch all those miracles? What an amazing thing to see him uh, open the eyes of the blind and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and all these things. What an amazing thing that would have been to see. But the Bible clearly says that what we have now is greater than miracles. The word of God is more powerful than miracles. Why? Because they saw the miracles, many of them, and they didn't believe. Jesus says, they asked Jesus to, for a sign. He says, you want a sign? Look at all the miracles I've done. Many people did not believe, but the word of God accompanied by the Holy Spirit is what we need. That's what we need in order to hear. So the good ground is fighting for the word of God. The good ground is this, is not only with the Holy Spirit creating a new heart in us, but it's also us coming, preparing ourselves with expectation to receive the word of God, to receive what God has for us. We have to fight to hear the word of God. We really do. In that uh, account in Luke with Mary and Martha, Jesus was coming over and Martha decided she wanted to make this great meal for Jesus. And, and she was, uh, as, a, as the Bible says, very busy doing all these different things, cooking and 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 and, and setting up the table and making all these different things. And she was getting frustrated because Mary wasn't helping. But notice where it says Mary was. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And she probably did that purposely because she knew that Martha was, she sat in the back with him tapping her on the shoulder and dragging her away. But she got right in the front. Why? Because she wanted to hear what Jesus said. And Martha got so frustrated with, that she even got frustrated with Jesus. Don't you care that Mary's not even helping me? Look at, she's lazy. Look at her. What is she doing? And what did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but Mary's chosen the good part. And we have to choose the good part. We have to come ready. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness to hear what God's word says. We have to fight to hear the word of God. And we have to fight by because it's valuable. Because the Bible says, what does it do? It produces fruit. He says, some 60, some 90, some 30, and so on. These words produce fruit. These words help us. These words 
of what we need, to hear the word of God preached. Here is a treasure for us. We know it must be important that the devil does everything he can to distract us from hearing this word. This is how we grow. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. It's through the word of God, through the preaching of the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We hear over and over again, all throughout the week, how bad things are, how terrible things are, uh, over and over again. But here, on Sunday or every day, we can read our Bibles and receive the word of God. We must come with expectation that we're going to be fed. Whether we read it privately, we come on Sundays to hear it. You kids, how often have you, uh, your mom's cooking you your favorite meal, and you smell that aroma, and you just, how much longer? And you're just waiting by the, uh, the kitchen, or waiting for the food to get ready, and your friend comes by and says, hey, let's go play. You go, not right now. Maybe afterwards. Why? Because I'm going to eat this, this delicious meal. And when you get the meal, when you devour it, well, it's the same with the word of God. We must have that type of enthusiasm, that type of, of expectation that we're going to be fed with the word of God, sitting at Jesus' feet, coming with preparation and expectation. How often do you pray when you come in? And God would speak to your heart as the word is being preached. How often do you pray that? This is how you grow in grace, how you grow daily by hearing the word of God. You may think, well, I'm not really growing. Well, if you are constantly in the means of grace, if you're constantly hearing the word, receiving the word, reading the word, you are growing. This is like a young, you young, you, uh, you kids, that, you know, those who were 12, 13, 10, 8, you know, your mom buys you some jeans or sneakers and Maybe six months or a year later, you look and say, wow those, wow, those pants are really short on you. In my day, we should call them high waters, you know? <laughs> what happened? They grew. Didn't look like it, didn't seem like they did, but they did. Why? Because they constantly been eating, they constantly been uh, um, doing the things that they need to do. It's the same in the Word of God. That's why he says some 60, some 30, uh, and so on. It's being fruitful. Fruitful, what is the fruit? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, all of those things. God produces fruit from that. And some of us grow at different rates. Just like in class, you got tallest to the shortest, right? Some are tall, some are short. And if you're short, you say, well, you're still a person, a human being, right? It doesn't matter. It's like in back in my uh, dad's garden. He used to have these tomatoes, and some of the tomatoes, there were so many vines on there. Like the vines were just big, big, delicious tomatoes. In other vines, there was a few little small tomatoes in there, just a couple. But we ate them all. Why? Because they were fruit. And that is an example of what Jesus says. Jesus, we shouldn't compare ourselves to someone else. God is dealing with us at his rate. He is the, the, the master of the, of the garden and the farmer. He's the husbandman and so on. And so here is just an example, an illustration, just a reminder of what God has done for us here in this parable of the sower. Let us work harder as we come in fighting with more expectation in 2024. It is a good New Year's resolution to hear the word of God more, to read the word of God more, 
to spend more time, to be more intentional, to fight, to hear this word, because it is how we might grow. And there's just one warning is that as we hear this word, God expects some return on his investment. He's given you pastors. He's given you a body of believers and so on. He expects to see fruit in your life. Why? Because of, of the word. It says in, in, in the gospel, I can't remember where it is, but it says that if God is a fruit inspector and if he comes and doesn't see fruit, he could take that, um, take you away out of his wrath. And if you see that he can judicially harden you. So it's important that we hear the word, that we receive the word, because this is the word how we might grow. Let us pray. Lord, we, we thank you for this, this reminder of the importance of hearing your word and receiving your word. Enable us, Lord, to desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow. Enable us, Lord, to see our Savior increasingly through the word that we might see what he did for us. And so, Lord, give us more ears to hear and eyes to see. Open up our hearts and minds so that we might hear the word, so that we might grow, that we might be more like you, more like our dear Savior. Bless us in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen.